Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. You had better. Wake them up, get them up, get them going. It is a rainy Monday. Yeah, if you see that morning sky first, it's going to need an umbrella. A lot of clouds, a lot of rain, a lot of uh, ponding water on roadways. going to be a treacherous commute potentially. So, as we always say, get up and out, get an early start, and uh, take your time. Patience will be – pack your patience as you're up, if you're up and out this morning. going to be raining throughout the morning. It's been raining all night long with uh, storms moving from the uh, south to the north. Uh, throughout the more overnights and uh, into this morning. So uh, be careful out there as you get up and out. We appreciate you being there wherever you're finding us to start our week here on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. Our five-hour morning-by-morning conversation begins right now. Whether you're on 1019 AM 1260, maybe streaming, as you can always find us on that Horn app, download it to your smartphone, touch of a button, you've got us wherever you are, all over the wet 512, all over the wet state of Texas, and all over the world at our Horn app and also at hornfm.com on this Monday coming off of divisional playoff weekend. The final four is set in the NFL. We have a pair of one seeds and a pair of three seeds in the championship Sunday. Some uh, great games over the weekend. We will certainly talk about them. Also a uh, buzzer beater of a win for the Longhorn basketball team. Busy weekend for the Longhorn football team. An absolute unicorn of an accomplishment on the PGA Tour, which we'll talk about. Uh, we'll get to all of it. That's why we need five hours each morning to get to uh, everything we need to discuss with you. We appreciate you being there as we launch this Monday. Look who it is rolling through the, the raindrops and the uh, ponding water and all the treacherous weather to roll into the uh, South Austin Onion Creek compound. He is our shutdown corner five hours a day, five days a week uh, out of the 713 down in Houston, Texas, out of DB High. Also, DBU right here in the uh, 512, Lifetime Longhorn, the football theorist, Black Stradamus, and Proud Papa, Baby Monroe. How is the weather out there, Mr. Rod Babers? Good morning. I uh, appreciate the intro and the hospitality. Yes, it is uh, wet and wild out there, so everybody please be careful. It's dumping outside, uh, so be careful. Drive slow. No need to rush. If you're going to be late, that's better than uh, something bad happening, all right? So uh, just be safe out there. It doesn't matter. It's going to be slow anyway, and it's going to be – you know it's going to be ugly. You know how it gets when it rains in Austin. I love Austinites. But y'all can't drive in the rain, so it's okay. Just take your time out there because it's supposed to dump all day. I think most of the day anyway. Yeah, it's going to be – we're dealing with it. We've, yeah, yeah. Uh, Don't even worry about it. Don't let it stress you out. Well, I think I was watching the, the local news this morning. I think uh, between where we are and Onion Creek down in Dubuque oh, has gotten uh, near three inches of rain overnight. Yeah. So it's going to be that ponding water. And that's – you know, it's, it's different in all places, but they've got some low water crossings that that's are right. already – Shut down. Ty Henderson, our producer, is in the Horn headquarters in Horn Compound. Ty, how was the uh, how were the roads for you going from uh, east to west? It was a little treacherous on the way in. A little treacherous. I, I, yeah. I hydroplaned a few times. Um, so just drive drive slow. Yes, yes. That's the best. That's the, hey, you're going to be late, so just make call, text right now. Make the calls. Hey, I'm going to be a little bit late. Even if you're not going to be a little bit late, go ahead and throw it out there. And they should expect you to be a little bit late anyway because, I mean, the roadways are going to be Everybody, crazy. Right? It's going to be a traffic Kids off again. to school. Yeah, it's just a lot going on. A lot going, going on. on. But we have a lot of sports to talk oh, about. Oh, man, five, two of those five hours ain't enough days. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Usually five hours is plenty of time, but today five hours ain't enough. It's going to be good. All right, before we get started, shout out to those who serve. We do it each and every morning. We are happy to do it. It's the least that we can 
to do. Can't say thank you enough to those who serve our society, built on the selflessness of service. So all those who are out there who are serving in any capacity, God, country, or community, we want to give a shout out to you. You're on our hearts, on our minds, and can't say thank you enough. So uh, once, uh, once again, like we do every morning, shout out to those who are putting in uh, God's work each and every day. No question about that. Thank you very much. And those who first responders who are up in the raindrops getting out and helping people this morning yep. that are finding themselves in low water crossings and uh, collisions and things of that nature. Appreciate them very, very much. Hope everybody's okay out there. As we get this thing cranked up, coming off a great weekend of NFL football. Uh, as we say, we have a one, two, couple of one seeds and a couple of three seeds. We'll dive into the games, how we got to uh, the last four standing in the NFL. Also, obviously, there are it means there are 28 teams not playing. Uh, the future's uh, down in Houston. Also, uh, coaching carousels around the NFL, still spinning around college football as well. We'll get to all that busy weekend for the Longhorns. Let's start with the headlines, get you caught up on the news of a Monday morning as we do to start each and every. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Let's uh, get you the top stories. Top stories brought to you by Top Gun, Reynolds, and Lawn Equipment. It will start in the NFL Championship Sunday is set after divisional playoff weekend. Pair of doubleheaders Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday, the top seed of Baltimore Ravens ended the Houston Texans up to start season with a dominating 34-10 win. Game was 10-10 at the half, but Baltimore too much. They outscored Houston 24-0 in that second half and really flexed against that, the upstart Texans. On Saturday night, the top seed of San Francisco 49ers held on for a uh, win over the Green Bay Packers. Packers were game in that game, uh, but the late touchdown uh, led by Brock Purdy, who struggled most of the night, but gets it in the end zone. And then they held on, get an interception, and win it 24-21 to advance. And yesterday in Detroit, Jared Goff threw two touchdown passes to lead the Lions past Tampa Bay 31-23. They lift the long-suffering franchise into the NFC Championship game for the first time in more than three decades, just the second time in franchise history. And then final game yesterday, a typical classic between the Chiefs and Bills. Fourth and final spot was claimed by, by uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes threw a pair of touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey to help lead the defending Super Bowl champs to their sixth straight AFC Championship game with a 27-24 win over the Bills. Another heartbreaking loss for Buffalo. Their kicker, Tyler Bass, missed a potential game-tying field goal wide right from 44 yards, and they fall to KC in the division round for the third time in the last four seasons. Coming up this Sunday, the Chiefs will travel to Baltimore to face the Ravens in the early game, the AFC Championship game, then the late game, San Francisco hosts Detroit in the NFC. Winners, of course, will meet in the Super Bowl. Texas football, Longhorns hosted a big Junior Day recruiting event on Saturday. It's already paid dividends for the program. On Saturday, Texas received a verbal commitment from 2026 Alito running back Racine Guillory Jr. And yesterday, a big pledge from 2025 Texarkana Pleasant Grove defensive lineman Lance Johnson. Both are considered high four-star players. Texas also welcomed Arizona Wildcats transfer defensive tackle Tia Olai Savea for an official visit over the weekend. The 6'4", 305-pounder entered the transfer portal on Friday following the recent departure of Arizona head coach Jed Fish to Washington. New Texas co-defensive coordinator linebackers coach Johnny Nansen obviously has close ties to Savea. Spent the last two seasons as a defensive coordinator. Also served as Savea's primary recruiter when he came out of high school. In college hoops, uh, the absolute parody of the Big 12 Conference on display this week. Of course, last week, the Longhorns on Tuesday blew that 16-point lead to Central Florida and lost a tough one, 77-71. They rebounded massively on Saturday at the Mood, took down ninth-ranked Baylor, 75-73. A coast-to-coast buzzer-beating layup by Tyrese Hunter was the game winner. Longhorns post their first quad one win of the season, a huge one. They improved to 2-3 and three in Big 12 play on Saturday. Also, the 11th-ranked Texas women secured another victory, went to Stillwater, took down Oklahoma State, 77-66. And in golf, an incredible weekend, an accomplishment for University of Alabama sophomore Nick Dunlap. Uh, in a stacked field of the top pros, the 20-year-old calmly fired a final round 70 yesterday at the American Express Championship in California. He earns a one-stroke victory, becomes the youngest amateur to win a tour event in over a century. The reigning U.S. amateur champ is just the third to post a win in 70 years. 
and the first since Phil Mickelson did it back in 1991. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. I'm not sure where to start. It's one of those good days. I'm not really sure where to start. We can start with the uh, Kansas City Buffalo game, which is a great game. We can right. start with the Ford, the 49ers Packers game. Ended up being a, oh, a better man. game I, than it should have been. I, uh, that was a good game. It, I mean, that's a, you, you talked about how your favorite round is the divisional round. It did not disappoint. It was some great games. I mean, they were fantastic. They were, and, and you know, even the Texas game was good for half the game. Yeah, it was they, like the halftime. They got away they, from them. They couldn't yeah, run the ball. Third quarter, they pulled away. We'll get into the details of it, but I it think, was a it was a hell of a weekend. Yeah, and all the games were very – I mean, this, as we talked about coming out of wildcard weekend, you get rid of some of the riffraff, mm-hmm. get rid of the uh, pretenders and deal yeah. with the contenders. Even, and we got uh, Even Detroit, Tampa Bay. I thought oh. Tampa Bay made it really uh, interesting down the stretch, and then De- Detroit did what they should have done, right? They pulled away like a good team. They pulled away because Tampa Bay was kind of a uh, surprise. I would say they're a surprise team so far. Well, and – you know, they just won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago with uh, with Tom Brady at the helm, and they still got some a lot of good players. Mike Evans is still a stud, and Baker Mayfield, okay. you know, found a found a home. It appears, but uh, give the Lions credit; they they uh, were clutch where they needed to. Built that, uh, you know, that that thirty one seventeen lead, two touchdown lead. I'm still not sure why Tampa Bay went for two after scoring that touchdown. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. But either way, thirty one twenty three final, and uh, you know, both the uh, Niners game with the Packers and the Lions game yesterday with the uh, the Buccaneers ended uh, with big interceptions at the end yeah. uh, where the defense made a play. Oh, I don't know what the hell Jordan Love was He went full at. Brett Favre in that throw. He did, and the truth is there was a player open. who was streaking open. He wasn't open. He was in one-on-one, and I think if he'd have th- he could have thrown him open if he because he's got a cannon. He could have thrown it up there, at least given his guys a better shot. He threw it across his body back to the middle of the field where there were, what, three, four Niners? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, the quick, was a, it was uh, it was it was it, it, that was one of his worst throws of the night, actually. <laughs> well, and I saw a lot of people uh, juxtaposing that throw with Brett Favre oh, throw it. against the I Saints. I saw it, uh, and, you know, and you know what? It fit full it was, Brett Favre across your body uh, into the willing arms of a linebacker. Yeah, never, um, never go full on far. Well, it's very it's fair <laughs> to say that the, the the we know that the the Baltimore Ravens are really good. Um, you know they they have they have blown out good teams this year. That's the thing that's just so impressive about them. When you consider, you know they've beaten Detroit, San Francisco, now Houston twice, and Miami by scores of thirty eight to six, thirty three nineteen, thirty one ten, twenty five nine, fifty six nineteen. I mean they just they're just really really good, and they're still the prohibitive favorites. They flexed against Houston. We'll hear Lamar Jackson coming up. He uh, talked about how he spoke at halftime when it was ten to ten. He was not real happy yeah. with where his team was, and they you know humbled the Texans in the second half. I thought the 49ers were very fortunate to survive. Brock Purdy, uh, we know that uh, it was raining the whole time, and uh, he struggled with his accuracy and getting grip on the football most of the night. Also, that's small hands. Small hands that's Purdy. Small, that's when the small hands thing comes up. It usually <laughs> it does. doesn't matter at all, but it does matter about gripping a football. Yeah, cold and, night and a rainy day. And rain, it does. It matters. Uh, they lost Debo Samuel or Samuel early in the game, and it was kind of kind of felt like one of those nightmare scenarios for the. Uh, the Niners, but they survive and give uh, Brock Purdy a lot of credit. When they needed it most, he took them on a drive and put them in the end zone. Game winner. Game winner. And is it fair to say that the Bills are the AFC's Cowboys and Brock Purdy? And, uh, well, they're the only two teams to lose at home yeah. after the right? – Well, <laughs> that, that, it's almost year by year, and Josh Allen is becoming the AFC's Dak Prescott, right? They're very similar in their great regular seasons but cannot get over the hump come, to, come January and uh, – you know, as good as as he was yesterday, I thought in that final drive where they were down three points, 
Um, I wouldn't I mean, you know, they came out of the timeout of the two-minute warning. I would, he missed a couple of throws there. I'm, I'm thinking they're trying to get a – got to get a touchdown on the board here. Don't rely on your field goal kicker here. Don't worry about overtime. Try to get this ball in the end zone. They had plenty of time and timeouts. And I didn't think Josh Allen um, made very good decisions in that spot. A couple of passes he could have completed. And, um, you know, that, that's – Josh Allen's got to deal with that. And now I don't know what Buffalo does. Kind of like the Cowboys. Mm. They're kind of one of those spots of – you know, we can't beat that Chiefs team no matter what we do. Get them at home this time. Get them in our building. We still can't finish the deal. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of the Cowboys just, of the AFC. Just I mean, They're here, but they're, they're not going anywhere. Honestly, that's the case for everybody in the AFC. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to his sixth AFC title yep. game. It's his sixth year as a starter. So they're dealing with the – is it the, the Michael Jordan, uh, yep. you know, kind of effect in the NBA? And it's like, there are a lot of great players. It's like, yeah, I mean, they were probably all underrated because – <laughs> they they didn't, they never really got their shot. He was just so dominant, and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are right now that dominant, at least in that conference. They just even with this with this wide receiving. I told you they were not they're not going to win the Super Bowl because I didn't like that that super, that red wide receiving course is it's too lackluster. I still don't like it at all. But for him to make it to another AFC title game with that wide receiving core, and they will be exposed. I mean, versus the Ravens, Ravens defense is just yeah. I mean, they, they, yeah, they're really too good <clears throat> for. Uh, the Chiefs to go into you know with the Ravens with into that matchup with those kind of weapons, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's really what's going on with the Bills. And I told you they're outside the five year window now. They've they're on a seventh year together. If they decide to run this thing back, it's it's time to shake it up. They did shake it up. Joe Brady's the OC for the Bills now, and Sean McDermott's calling defensive plays. But you need to do something to try to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Like that's right now that's the only thing that can make your next season next season of success, beating them in the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know. Finding some way to do it. And you had home field advantage this time, too. Yeah, it's an easy parallel between the, the Cowboys and the Bills, kind of heartbreak ends of seasons. Uh, but it is huge credit to the Chiefs, who once again, you know, they gave up 17 first-half points, and Josh Allen was kind of having his way with the run game, uh, quarterback run game, uh, and they were running the ball like crazy on the Chiefs in the first half, either traditional run game or the quarterback run game. He was kind of looking like Lamar Jackson in that game. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the stat is that the Chiefs, you know, surrender the fewest second-half points in the league. Steve Spagnuolo made some great adjustments, and they held the Bills to seven to points in the, se- in the, in the second half. And uh, obviously the, the missed kick wide right by Tyler Bass was a killer at the end. Could have tied the game at 27. I don't know if you saw the stat during the game, right? I did not know this. But, you know, that matchup there, whether it's regular season or postseason in the last, you know, four years, was the seventh matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills. Well, you know, during the game, the, 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 so they were playing their seventh matchup. Um, going into the game, they were 3-3 three and three against one another, and the total score was identical. Both teams have scored the same amount of points. So in this one, if Tyler Bass makes that, they've now played seven games, and they're going to overtime at 27-all. Mm-hmm. These two couldn't be two even more evenly matched football teams. Are they? Well, but, but every time they play, it I comes down think, to a final play. I don't think they are. Like I said, the reason I'm picking, quarterback, head coach advantage. Chiefs have that. Chiefs have gone to their sixth AFC title well, that, game. What I they just are, said would indicate that they are very even because they, they, they played six times. They were three I, and three. Where they the totals, record, like the the record, both teams have scored uh, 216 that stat, points. Stat, like I say, stats, stats can be misleading because look at the wins. Well, I know, but now that they were going into the game, they were three and three head-to-head, 216 total the points wins each. when they matter. I know. I understand, <laughs> I understand it. But, like, but were it, they 3-0 in the playoffs against the Bills? But I think statistically it's impossible to say they're not very even. I mean, they're, they're I, dead even as, as, as okay. opponents. Yeah. One's more clutch than the other. So we're talking about jo- how, how even are Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes? Pretty even. I mean, They far, are pretty even? 
You think Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are pretty even no, as quarterbacks? Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in this league. You just compare him <laughs> to Michael Jordan, and I don't disagree. But he's he's Josh Allen isn't that far behind. He just can't beat the guy. Uh, I, but he's I beaten think, him three times I, in games that were played that, in the regular season. I, that's I think they're very different. I, people be trying to make this a Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady. They're like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Both of them have championships. Right. This guy can't even. What do you, I, I don't understand. I really don't understand the comparison. I well, don't Peyton, get it. Well, George, well, Patrick Mahomes has, has touch has, has uh, Super Bowls and MVPs. I'm just pointing out to you. I don't. I don't disagree. But the numbers are when they play each other, the I, games couldn't be closer. I get the identical. They couldn't numbers. be closer. I, yeah, but and they, even this you know one what? was a missed field goal from being you know, overtime. You know, you know the movie Twins. Yes. With Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny <laughs> yeah, DeVito. Yeah. That's that's to me. That's what you're talking about here. You're, you're looking at the numbers. They're identical. Yeah, they may be twins, but they're those kind of twins. Yeah. They're very different. I mean, they were both they're 11 not, and 6 going the into the game. Twins. But they're very they're, but that's why I'm pointing I'm, I'm making the case that it's it's going to be very frustrating to be a Bills fan because you're this close but you can't beat that guy. Uh, you know, that guy is too good. But in this case it was your own problem. You had the ball, you had timeouts, you had a chance to go win the game and this is what separates a player like they, Patrick Mahomes. They have luck on their side too though. They had the uh, the ball that went through the end zone for the Chiefs. Yeah. You had the Another fumble, the fumble that, that should have been recovered by the Chiefs. Oh, man. Come on, man. A lot of this old Josh Allen was luck. Usually his guys turned the football over. I, I don't know. I just do not see them being very close because I think Andy Reid is a much better coach than Sean McDermott. <laughs> and I think Patrick Mahomes is a much better quarterback than Josh Allen. So I get the stats. You're right. Stats, the stats matter. And those stats, they are eye-popping. But to me, just a guy who watches the film and watches ball, they ain't close. From those two elements, they are not close. Well, I will say this. Uh, I don't disagree with you, but I think you're, you're, you're not. Look, last night, total yards, 368 Buffalo, 361 Kansas City. <laughs> These couldn't be closer. And if the kicker makes a kick he should make, we're playing an overtime for the, in the seventh meeting where they're 3-3 three and three with 216 points each way. That's how close it is. But it, it, it's, it's a Grand Canyon when it comes down to the clutch gene and getting it done and winning the game. Because, uh, as you said, six straight AFC championship games for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, He'll yeah. have a head-to-head battle, which will be I an epic one. I didn't realize they were that close. But you're right. The games do always come down to, to the wire. It's, it's the last play. But in the wire, who ends up winning? Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially in the, uh, in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. the, the, the wins that the Bills have posted are in the, in the regular, in the regular season. season. Yeah. Yeah, and this one 100%. last year was a controversial one, right? That was the Kadarius Tony yeah. put on the line. Yeah, lined up offsides. That's uh, what you can guarantee when those two play. It's going to come down to the last play, and you're probably going to be angry about it, or if, whichever side you're on, there's the going to be a controversial what you do? play. What do you do? I don't know. I don't know what to tell them. You've I'm changed up. you changed your coordinators. You well, changed this is the conversation we had last week about the Cowboys. What do you what do? You do? Do? I mean, you're going to keep yeah. the coach? Yeah, maybe. That's why I meant to draw the parallel with the Cowboys. You're right there. Well, they're, close. they're closer than the Cowboys. Yes. They're closer than the Cowboys, but the window, they're way out. The Cowboys are still within the five-year window. Um, the, the, the Bills are far outside of it, and you know, what I've told you about the five. And the Bills, think about it, they've been in basically playoff mode since, what, week 12? Yeah, they hadn't lost since their bye week. They had to, you know, that, that could've, they could have just been exhausted, honestly. They could have just been, as a team, exhausted. They could, they, it, mentally, that could have been it, but I don't know. It's, I don't and know what they do. I don't know what you change up. I don't either. I, I, in both the cow, we had the same conversation about the Cowboys last week. What's the next step? What are, where where are you going? And and you know, you know the, both will probably stay the course and continue to come up short. I would guess. There's is e- I think the Bills is easier. And like I said, they're outside the five year window, but at least they know what they have to do: beat the Chiefs. You have a simple task in the playoffs. So beat the Chiefs well, in the playoffs because they're the Chiefs. The way they're because the Chiefs gonna go out this offseason. You know what they are gonna do. 
receivers. <laughs> everybody, see, that's how well everybody knows the, the Chiefs, right? You're like, oh, I know what they're going to do. Every offseason. They'll probably they, sign one and then draft one or two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Rasheed Rice will, Rasheed Rice will keep getting better. trade for one. Who knows, right? Uh, hell. So, so you, exactly. That's how well you know the Chiefs. They're, they're such a well-run organization. They pick a different position of weakness or liability every offseason, and they address it, and they go after it. And they just overhaul it in one offseason. So you know they're going to do that. And what? So they're going to be better. The Chiefs will be better next season. The, the Chris Jones thing is interesting, right? They still got that. It was a one-year deal that they signed. Yeah, they got to they figure that out because he's a different – he even made a difference last game in the game <laughs> on that drive. He always makes a difference. They got to figure that out. And, yeah, that's pretty much all they got to figure out. That and receivers. And I think those and they got to try to deal with the Baltimore Ravens who uh, uh, are the best team pound for pound in, in the they gonna AFC. They're going to lose to them because they don't have the receivers. Yeah. They're going to lose um, to them because they don't have the receivers. It, that's they, what that comes down to. We'll make picks in that game and drill yeah. down on it, but it feels like the Ravens are just too good for really anybody right now. Uh, obviously, if anybody can beat him, it's Patrick Mahomes, and what a matchup that'll be with Lamar Jackson. Uh, so we'll take your thoughts on that. The games of the weekend, the Houston Texans season comes to a disappointing end, but obviously a step forward season for Houston. We'll talk about it. The uh, text line and the message line always open to you, even on a rainy Monday. Five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Now, speaking of the Chiefs, there was the story ahead of the game yesterday that uh, the expectation is Travis Kelsey is going to retire when the season is over, whenever that happens. Mm. That he's got new priorities, Rod, new priorities, and that Travis Kelsey may be walking away. So they'll have that to deal with, which is a huge part of what they do. So we'll follow that. But obviously their season extended into championship Sunday. But that uh, Michelle Tafoye, I believe it was, had the report that from her sources. And then there were some other confirming that, that, you know, the word is when the season's over, whenever it happens, Travis Kelsey – is ready to, uh, yeah. to to do other things, and obviously he's got a new girlfriend. Well, that was a report from Pro Football. I talked that Andy Reid was also thinking about stepping away, um, and we don't know if that would be at the end of the season or if they would put that into like a contract like the Patriots did because yeah. they're a well-run organization and they would already have an area. Yeah, that's a good conversation. Who the hell – That's a, talk about a coveted job. Don't you want to coach, coach Patrick, Patrick Mahomes? Mahomes? Yeah. <laughs> well, here is the story. Easy gig. You're like, man, I would love that. And this might have gone under the radar because it happened. I saw it break right between the Lions game and then the start of the Chiefs game. But former NBC sideline reporter Michelle Tafoya dropped a bombshell. Uh, she believes um, in an interview with CBS Sports Radio host Mark Ryan, she said uh, she believes Kansas City tight end Travis Kelsey will hang up the cleats after the season and has been told told so by people close to it. Says, I can't reveal my source. But I'm just saying he's looking for at future plans. Now that his brother is retiring, I could see both supposedly solely see both of those pulling a Peyton and Eli sort of uh, a gig on Peacock or something. So keep an eye on that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not. I, mean, I don't even know if Jason Kelsey's is official um, because he talked to, during the podcast that they host during the week that maybe his um, emotions after they lost to the Buccaneers on Monday night that um, maybe that's not full, but uh, fully what he's intending to do. But keep an eye on that because the Chiefs will have to deal with that. They will have Travis Kelsey when they play the Ravens this Sunday in the early game of Championship Sunday. Yeah, uh, Ravens the, are rolling. They Ravens. Just, they just said that right now they have the best quarterback in the league and they have the best defense in the league. They allow the fewest points, and you, you just, it's just really hard to get that, that offense off the field. It's I a mean, tough combination, man. I don't know, how, I don't know what you – and they have a great special teams group, even though they gave up a punt return touchdown to Texas to the Texans. Um, they have a great uh, special teams uh, mindset and culture just because John Harbaugh is a special teams coach. That's his background. So all three phases are right now playing at a really high level, probably the highest level well, in the have, league. You, you have a, a unique – an offense that now suits the MVP of the league and a defense. I mean, the Houston Texans have a good offense. I mean, the Texans just put, what, 
45 points on, or actually two of those came defensively, but, you know, put up big numbers against the Browns. Cleveland was the number one defense in, in the NFL. The Texans have now played eight quarters against Baltimore and haven't scored an offensive touchdown. No, but but Mike McDonald, the Baltimore DC, has done that against a lot of teams. I know. He did that against Shanahan. He did it against. He did. I mean, he's been honestly. He did. Like I said, that Shanahan tree. He's figured out something. And it was right after that Rams game where they played the Rams. We talked about that last week. And right after that, they played Shanahan. They played Mike uh, Mike McDaniel, and then not Slowick. And none of those offenses have been able to really get any type of explosive plays versus Mike McDonald's defense. Yeah, the they, they didn't allow Houston and C.J. Stroud, the, the league's you know, top you know, pass-per-game team, to score a touchdown in eight quarters in two matchups. He held, they, he held 49ers and the Dolphins at 19 points, and they held the Texans to what? What did the Texans have? Nine, uh, ten and nine, and but ten seven came on a punt return. So yes, <laughs> so it's really twelve. Yeah, so exactly. So think about those three offenses, some of the most explosive offenses in the league, and they held them to all to under twenty points. Well, look at the final two in the NFC: Detroit and San Francisco. A play to go to the Super Bowl. They beat Detroit thirty-eight to six. They beat San Francisco thirty-three to nineteen. So, <laughs> so Ben Johnson's offense also Detroit Lions one of the most explosive offenses in the league, and six. also held them to six points. He. Man, I don't know. I got yeah. I, I will do some studying because I want to figure out exactly what he's figured out because it may just be personnel they put together. Here's here's something that's, that's trending too in Cowboys. Here's a lesson. This is why you got to study the league, man. Study the league. Hire a football theorist around there who just studies the league because they'll find patterns and trends that are sticking out and go. You know what? We're lacking that. Okay. So how were the Cowboys exposed this year? The loss of the linebackers, right? They had the linebacker depth issues because Marvin Overshawn got hurt. Leighton Vander Esch got hurt. That was exposed when they played run-heavy teams because they didn't have great linebacker depth, and they had to play all these hybrids at de- in the defensive backfield. They played more dime coverage versus power sets, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, than any team in the league. And that was their, I guess, their uh, adaptation, right, for it. Um, but if they had better linebackers, they probably would have fared better against these run-heavy teams, and these run-heavy teams would have had to adapt and would have had to uh, counter some of the way. Look at the Ravens. What do the Ravens have that makes their defense unique? Best Great line. pair of linebackers in the league. Except for the 49ers. Except for the 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 also, and think about, think about the Lions. The Lions drafted themselves a really good inside line. In the first round. Yeah. Everybody was like, that's, a, that's not a premium position. But they are recognizing the trends of the league. You're not going to need those really good inside linebackers right now. Why? Because of the RPO game. The RPO game is big right now. And what are teams going to? These hybrid running backs who are just, they're just dumping it out in the backfield to these guys. How many times do you see it? Let me check it down to the over back. Over and over and over. Over and over and over again, right? Little quick swing screens, little quick uh, flare routes to the running back because teams don't have linebackers that can run sideline to sideline like that. You got good linebackers. Even the Tampa Bay, what gave them a little bit of a, at least a chance, they had good linebacker play. Now, they were exposed, and the Lions did it. But I think the Cowboys, they got to do something about their linebackers. They need to invest in it. Um, it's not a premium position right now, but the way the league is going, you got to have that position solidified. Well, we very well may have a night. And they drafted it. I'll give it a point. They drafted them over and over, Sean. So they yeah. saw and then Leighton Van Der Esch got hurt. He yeah. got hurt. Uh, I would just say to your point, for folks who, who don't I mean, the, the Ravens are built around, their defense is built around Roquan Smith and uh, Patrick, Patrick Queen, Queen out of LSU. And then the, the Niners, of course, with, with Dre Fred, Greenlaw and uh, Fred, Warner. Fred Warner, two great linebackers. Man, and you're right, the league is devaluing the linebackers, but the teams that are probably going to play in the Super Bowl have the two best in, you know, set of linebackers in the game. Yeah. And you mentioned they the, some. 
you mentioned <laughs> the, Lions, the Lions in the first round with one of their two first-round picks. They took Jameer Gibbs to play running back, which is you know kind of off the nose for the current NFL to take a running back in the first round in that high. They also took Jack Campbell, the linebacker out of Iowa, Everybody, who's come in and mm-hmm. become their starting linebacker. So great point that uh, you know it gets devalued, but the teams that are flourishing and play great defense still have really good linebacker they play. See the line, they see still the have really good linebacker yeah. play. All right, good stuff right there. We'll talk uh, the Final Four, obviously the Cowboys season, where it's going. Also, uh, Texans season comes in at way too many penalties for Houston. Uh, crowd noise was certainly a factor. They kept jumping off sides. They hurt themselves a lot uh, in the first half and then just way too much Baltimore. Also talk about uh, the Longhorn weekend. That was a busy one. They had a big junior day and recruiting weekend. They had a big basketball win for Texas. We'll talk plenty of burnt orange coming up behind the BOC. Got some what the facts for the end of our first hour. Very rainy, wet morning. Be careful out there, folks. We're just getting warmed up here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, sifting through and uh, recapping divisional playoff weekend, Saturday doubleheader, Sunday doubleheader. All these games were close. I mean, two of them were 10-10 at the half. Chiefs-Bills was 17-13 at the half last night. The uh, Niners and Packers 7-6. And uh, all these games, essentially outside of Baltimore-Houston, came down to uh, the closing moments of the football game. Uh, somebody mentioned, Rod, your conversation about uh, linebackers. Chiefs have a pretty good set of linebackers, too, which they do. Yeah, you're right. Nick Bolton's a real good mm-hmm. player. You're and, right yeah. about that, yeah. And it's one, of the, it's one of the places I think the Cowboys have to upgrade at wide receiver, excuse me, running back and linebacker. Yeah. Uh, but it's not their fault that, that well, Lane Bader does have an injury history, but it's not their fault that he went down. And they did draft Marvin Overshaw. I'll give them credit for that. And they, they, they Third were really round high, pick. And they were really high on him. Remember, they, they, they were really high on him in, tra- in training camp and in the preseason yeah, before well, he got hurt. And they, a lot of people project Demario on Overshone as kind of being a Nick Bolton kind of player, right? The speed linebacker for the yes. for the Chiefs. Guy that can run, got covered over. Guy that can run those, and cover. Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield. And I believe they took run. him in around the third round too. And that's kind yeah. of where you can get it. That's where you get him. I think Fred Warner then, was a mid round pick too. Yeah, yeah, that's where you get him. Yeah, no, it's a uh, uh, roster building is an art, Rod. I mean, it's uh, yes, it is. And, and you know, the Cowboys had some flaws and they were exposed. And I give the Green Bay Packers a lot of credit. I thought they were going to beat the 49ers. I mean, they were. They, they, their lack of red zone success early, they did the same thing, right? They they uh, took the ball and went down and, and yeah, took had a nice like half, drive. Half the quarter. <laughs> and then they had to settle for a field goal, though. So those two field goals they settled for in the first half came back to get them because they, they felt like they were in control of that game. And Brock Purdy was struggling and Debo Samuel got hurt. Uh, but give the Niners some credit. They found the uh, – They out-schemed the Niners, though. You're they, right. That's going to be a good team. I, mean, I think if you look at Houston and Green Bay, you're thinking, hmm. Those are two franchises with a bright future. That's a great question. Who would you rather? Which which would you rather be? You rather be a Green Bay Packers fan right now or a Houston Texans fan right now? Well, um, since I am a Texans fan, I'll say this because it, there's already it's reports. The, that, the future looks bright for both of them. Both very broad. Well, and I would say this Houston because the reports are that they're they're about to make Jordan Love one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league because he's at the end of his rookie deal already. That's true. And Houston has got a quarterback who's at the beginning of his rookie deal. That's a good point. Because uh, Jordan Love didn't play for the first three years, but you still got to pay him because he performed this well, year. Yeah, you got, but you ain't got to pay him. You got to make him the highest. You just make him win I did see where they were already working yeah. on a deal that will put him up there amongst it. They think he's their franchise quarterback. Oh, yeah, he definitely is. But uh, before we get to behind the burnt orange curtain, get it caught up on what went on in the 40 acres this weekend. Can I uh, play this for you, Rod? 
This is Lamar Jackson. This is in the post game. They win at 34 to 10. It was 10-10 at the half. Houston was was hanging around, which we talked about they needed to do, you know, get this to a fourth quarter game and see what happens. Well, the Ravens were going to have none of it. 10-10 uh, at the half, and uh, they outscore Houston 24 nothing in the second half. Here is a question of Lamar Jackson, who's going to be the league's MVP, of uh, what went on at the intermission. Who did most of the talking at halftime? I did. You did. A lot of cursing at um, halftime. It would be inappropriate if I said it right here. <laughs> it would. We wasn't really doing anything, you know, to, to that defense. They was playing great, and that, that offense was playing great as well, but we wasn't doing our job with our unit. In second half, we went to punt points on the board, start moving the ball, moving the chains, and start looking like ourselves. Right, Lamar Jackson uh, let him have it at halftime. And I would say this to your point about the linebackers and how good the Ravens linebackers are, their pair of linebackers, the Niners, Chiefs, Houston desperately needs linebackers because I, I like Denzel they Perryman, like just a guy. They like Christian Harris. Christian Harris is going to be a good player. Yeah, that's why they're so, but that's why they're so invested in him. Think yeah. about it. The head coach Third put round their pick. time with him. Third-round yeah. pick yep. <laughs> uh, who ran a 4-4 at uh, the Combine. So yeah. he's going to be the future there. But they need more. Denzel Perryman's a 10-year vet who's just a guy. You know, Blake Cashman's a pretty good player. You're right. They need to upgrade. That's part of why they had no – and, I, you know, if you're going to criticize D'Amico Ryans, they really had no answer for Lamar Jackson's legs. Yeah. Um, and you, you have to have that answer when That's you go and play that game. That's why you those linebackers because these quarterbacks, will be, they're more and more mobile. Yeah. They're more and more of them. Gotta they can move them. around and run around. Your, your linebackers are key. I don't know why they're undervalued. I, I stock up on them. Yeah. <laughs> all right. On a rainy Monday, and it's been raining all night long, uh, you know, uh, copious amounts of rain has dropped over the weekend, over the, overnight. So be careful out there this morning. Ponding water and Don Miller will be along with your traffic. So right now, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. A busy weekend on the 40 acres as well. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right. Um, well, we'll get into some Texas football nuggets here because I know it was a big uh, recruiting weekend. Uh, but also, there was a very underrated story that I want to get to as it relates to Texas football. Uh, but the Longhorns had a uh, big win over the weekend over a uh, top 10 ranked Baylor team, which was, uh, and they had it in very dramatic fashion uh, with a uh, buzzer beating shot. So uh, it was a very good weekend for Rodney Terry coming off a disappointing showing uh, at home uh, against uh, UCF. And he actually, in the post game, had uh, like an apology. Um, remember after the UCF game, you know, obviously everybody was disappointed at the losing game, but a lot of controversy that ended up going viral and becoming a national story was when uh, some UCF players did the horns down in the handshake line. Rodney Terry didn't like it, so he said something, uh, kind of verbally reprimanded the UCF players, and then in the post game he also said something about you know conducting yourself in a classy way. And Rodney Terry's a classy guy. Um, and but he, it was about sportsmanship, and I think it kind of blew up in his face, and it, that was a lot of blowback from it nationally. And even some Longhorn fans uh, were more concerned with the way the Longhorns played rather than the Longhorns down. <laughs> Longhorn fans weren't that sensitive about it. Uh, here's Rodney Terry in the post game after that big win over this over the weekend over the Bears, uh, giving an apology to uh, maybe to uh, his, his peers in the coaching community too, uh, maybe in the way that he conducted himself, but also I think to the fans. Here it is. You know, I had no intentions of trying to uh, show up anyone or or uh, offend anyone in terms of, you know, what occurred in, you know, at the end of that game. Johnny Dawkins is a good friend of mine. He's a really good coach. He has a good program. They're having a good year. Uh, and, uh, um, you, know, I, you know, personally, if I offended him or his program or anyone for that matter, that was not my intentions, you know. Um, I'm a God-fearing man. 
I'm, I lean heavily on my faith, and uh, there are no obstacles in front of me that I can't ever overcome because God never leaves me no matter in good times, bad times. He's always with me. And so, you know, I, I think, again, you control what you can control. If, again, if I offended some of our, our fans as well and, and not handling myself the right way in terms of, you know, going about it the right way, then, you know, I apologize to our fan base as well and everything. And uh, uh, I understand what it means to be the head coach at the University of Texas and what our brand stands for. And, and, uh, and I respect every opponent that we play. Uh, and, and, you know, have the utmost respect for them and, and, and their coaches. So, uh, again, you know, I'm happy about the outcome of what, what transpired today. We played a really good team that's well coached, that we have a lot of respect for, and uh, um, we're going to enjoy this evening. There you go. The Rodney Terry giving a very classy response. And that's what I appreciate about Rodney Terry. Because a lot of his peers, like I said, other coaches, they actually had a response to what we talked about him reprimanding the other team. Uh, like, you know, coach, don't, don't, don't pair my kids. Yeah, don't disappear another coach's team. So I think that's – he got that blowback. And then Longhorn fans, he got some blowback because Longhorn fans, you know, they were upset, but not about the horns down. They didn't care about the horns down. They were more upset about losing to Central Florida. So he well, got the blowback in both ways, and I think he made the uh, the classy response to it, which was a an apology to both. Well, and, you know, that that is, is probably needed to be said, but at the same time can't over, overestimate how big the win was. For Tyrese Hunter to go coast to coast and put it in at the buzzer to win that ball game. I mean, the kid for Baylor made an absolute rainbow three to tie it. Um, and then no timeout, just go coast to coast and stick it in the bucket. That was awesome. It's the first quad one win for Texas. Baylor was the ninth ranked team in the land. Um, so a quad one meaning, you know, a quality win yeah. against a top 15 team. Uh, you got to have them. Uh, they held Baylor to 32 points in the second half. They held a very good offensive Baylor team to 38% shooting in the second half. That's what Texas can be, and I will say this for Texas fans in perspective. In Chris Beard's first year, Rod, when he rebuilt the roster, right, essentially had to come in and start over. Yep. Um, this is a, mostly a new roster outside of a couple of players, and you, haven't had to, you didn't have Dylan DeSue for the first you know, month and a half of the season. He's maybe your best all-around player. In year one at Texas, Chris Beard was off to a 13-5 and five start. Rodney Terry, 13-5. and five. At that in year one, Chris Beard had one quad one win by January, mid January. No, Rodney Terry does too. So it's a long season. I think we saw something to build on with that victory. Now you got to keep it going. You got to yep. keep playing yeah. that kind of defense. You got to play with that intensity night, night by night. You need that Tyrese Hunter, who scored 21 points night by night, to go with. Because you have Max Aismas, Dylan DeSue, and Tyrese Hunter, and you're playing with that defensive effort, uh, like you got from, from Kendall Weaver, uh, that kind of guy who stayed on the floor and just makes those hustle plays. That's a team that can win some basketball games. Junkyard, no, but, yeah. uh, but you can't if you're playing like you did against Central Florida where you're turning the ball over you know, a bunch of times. and you're Because uh, I think Texas only had two turnovers in the game. I mean, that's a team that can win a lot of basketball games. It looked like a tournament team. Yes, it did. They hadn't looked like a tournament team. Only seven turnovers in the game for Texas. Mm -hmm. they, they, they had – the West Virginia lost the Saturday before. They had 22. Yeah. <laughs> against, I mean, the Central Florida came back in the game when Texas was up 16, mostly because of Texas turnovers. Yep. Um, so and, and then poor defense – that's a team that can win some games, but obviously the the Big Twelve won't stop coming at you. Yeah, no, it's no no nights off. We got to play that song one day. No nights off. Time. No, I think, I'm sure. I think they made a song. I believe Brett Yarmore. You know, Brett Yarmore wants to make it a uh, an urban league, pretty much. You know, what I mean, he's having. Well, he's he came having from Rock Nation, right? Yeah, he's having exhibition uh, games in uh, what Rucker Park for the Big Twelve, and he wants to make it the uh, the college basketball, the it college basketball conference. And sure. I think it already is. It's in terms of how competitive it is. So yeah, he's got. He made a song for it. I believe like a That's theme cool. song. 
Love it. No nights off. Love it. Well, huge win for mm-hmm. Texas and a huge finish, and the crowd was great. Props to the, to the uh, sellout crowd at the Moody Center to get there by 11 a.m. to to see that victory. That was a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of uh, viral yeah, videos they needed from that. that. They need, oh, man. You're right. Yeah, especially coming off the controversy and the, you know, Things were trending in a bad direction. But, again, for perspective, same record as Chris Beard's team. And I remember Chris would come on with us, Coach Beard, every week. And he kept saying, our, our biggest challenge is time. Like, how quickly can we bring, build the chemistry? And I think Rodney Terry's team is dealing with that time issue of chemistry. But also, when Dylan DeSue was out all the way until Christmas, Rod. Mm-hmm. You, that was big. So they're tr- this guys are, these guys are still trying to get used to playing with one another and now getting used to playing with Dylan DeSue. And he's kind of the offense kind of runs through him. So, you know, still a work in progress, but that was a huge win. But you got to keep progressing, Rod. Yeah. Here. No, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough they road. They play in Norman <laughs> tomorrow night. They play at Norman yeah, tomorrow night. And uh, Porter Mosier is doing a real good job. That team ranking in the top 15 as well. Yeah, but if they play like that, they'll give themselves a Scoring chance. Scoring won't be the problem for Texas this year. Defense. Scoring that with Rodney, with Chris Beard's first year, scoring was the problem. Mm-hmm. I don't think scoring will be the problem. It's defense and turnovers. They protect the ball, take care of it, and plays a good brand of defense. They've got a chance against anybody that they play, I believe. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, all right, so Texas football, uh, there are some recruiting nuggets. We can get to those a little bit later. But I thought it was interesting. A lot of people have been wondering what they're going to do about the analyst role, the defense analyst role, especially because Coach Akina, shout out and congratulations. DC. He was named a defensive coordinator at Arizona. So he was hold, holding out for a good reason. So he went from analyst to people thought, oh, man, he, he, maybe they, they may offer him an assistant job. So maybe that's why he was, uh, no, he was being offered the defensive coordinator role. So shout out to Coach Akina. At Arizona, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, Very cool. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, congratulations to Coach Akina. Um, but a lot of people are wondering now who's going to fill that vacancy as the defensive analyst for Texas football. Well, they brought in William Gay. He is the uh, longtime NFL defensive back. Uh, was recently a um, – he actually coached too. He coached in college for one season. Coached, I think, as a coaching assistant uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But he spent 12 years in the league and I believe 11 – Actually, ten of those twelve were with the Steelers. So he's been with the Steelers in in two different stints. He started out his career with the Steelers, um, and then went to the I believe it was the Arizona Cardinals, and then came back to be with the Steelers again for another stint. Dick LeBeau was his defensive back coach. Defense, Dick LeBeau is known as one of the greatest defensive coaches, defensive minds in the history of football, um, and one of the great DB coaches too. Um, so that actually is a – of course, Mike Tomlin was his coach there when he was with the with the Steelers. And Mike Tomlin, famously, was my DB coach when I was with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So Mike Tomlin come, comes from a defensive back mind and a defensive background, I should say. And he is uh, a guy that, you know, he has also known for his defensive act. He doesn't call plays defensively, but that's how he – got his skins on the wall. His resume is as a defensive guru back in the day. So if you're looking for a guy, William Gay, who's been around great defensive minds and been around the Steelers, <laughs> all right, in multiple stints, that's not how much they liked him. And they, they actually had him come back as a an assistant coach at one point, an intern, I think a coaching intern. I think that bodes well for at least what knowledge he could bring to Texas. It could help you with some of those troublesome concepts that you had, uh, def- that you had trouble defending uh, last season, like uh, clus- closely clustered groups of receivers, bunch formations, the leverage on inside breaking routes, the deep ball. I'm sure this is a guy that can come in and do some self-scouting, advanced scouting. Remember, he can't do any on-field coaching or recruiting, but at least give you some ideas, some solutions about some issues that plagued this secondary and pass defense last season. 
Pretty good stuff. That, yeah. I think it's a great hire. I mean, I think uh, yeah. just on, on its face, uh, someone who can help, you know, as they're trying to cross-train these DBs and, as you say, make them more malleable in the back end with all the, the speed and coverage and size that they're looking to build back there. Um, you, you like that hire. with young guy, young guy with he NFL experience. You can tell that and we're still waiting on the Texas uh, Steve Sarkeesian to hire a defensive line coach. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people have poked, pointed at Rod Wright, uh, the former Longhorn player who's now coaching with the Texans. You wonder if something comes down on that now that the Texans season has come to an end. He was with Missouri State most recently. Sorry, that's who it was. Okay. Coaching with Bobby Petrino, actually. Nice. All right, so we'll keep <laughs> um, an eye on yeah. Good stuff, Rod, so, behind the Burn North Court in basketball and football. We'll get the latest on the big recruiting weekend. Uh, also coming up, some What the Facts. What the Facts. Including an absolute uh, stunning weekend in golf, Rod, a unicorn on the PGA Tour. We'll get you details on that and some of the facts from it. Also, uh, this, the numbers continue to uh, just, just it boggle the mind with Patrick Mahomes and what he does this time of year in the NFL. Get you that coming up. It's What the Facts coming next on a rainy Monday on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, man, it is the Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B on a Monday morning. Ty Henderson back at the Horn headquarters. It is messy outside, so be careful. Obviously, slow it down. Pack your patience as you're up and out this morning. That's right. What the facts, Rod? What the facts? You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is Patrick Mahomes now in 16 career playoff games. He's 13-3, 4,561 yards, 38 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. You know, back uh, when I was growing up, Rod, the, uh, there was a guy named Michael Jordan playing basketball. Yes. And there was a team in Cleveland called the Cavaliers who were this close. Ooh. This close. Seemed like they had, they had uh, Mark Price and Brad Doherty that. and they had really good players. And you're like, man, Cleveland's close. I remember that group. The they short just, shorts back in the day. Yeah, and they just couldn't else. get past this guy, Jordan. And so they never accomplished, you know, never, never even played in a championship series. And it reminds me of the Buffalo Bills. They're, they're this mm-hmm. close. As we mentioned, going into last night's game, in the last six matchups between the Chiefs and the Bills, they were 3-3. Three and three. Total points scored by each team, 216. That's how close they are. But it, we, as you said, it feels like they're a mile away. It feels they can't, like that. They're, they're very close. And even last night's game was a field goal from going to overtime. But they're, they're, it's like the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're a mile away. I know. They're a mile. I, it, no, it, that's a great comparison. And I, like I said, I don't know what they do. I don't know what the, the move is for them. They, they just changed offensive coordinators. They show me Dermot's not calling defensive plays. And they look, they were the hottest team in the league. They got home. They got the home. First road playoff game for, for Patrick Mahomes. They got him on the road. They, they see, I mean, what do you do now? I don't, you had the worst wide receiving core for Patrick Mahomes since he's been a starting quarterback. I don't, they're going to, I don't know what the Bills do. They're outside of that five-year window. Like I said, no head coach quarterback pairing has ever won their first Super Bowl outside of five, that five-year window, that first five years together. If they're out of their five years, if they're on their sixth, this is their sixth year together, I think you move on. Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Ravens are different because I think he didn't start to his the middle of like the, the middle of his first year. I think he was like seven, eight games in. And then I do count his injuries. He's missed so many games. Late, he's missed like end of eight, the last nine, two seasons. Right? He's missed like eight, nine games. So if you could, if you think basically combine those games he's missed and him starting late, that's basically a season. So that's and that's why, but they did bring in Todd Munkin too. They they changed some things. Well, they, they dramatically changed the yeah, offense. They and it's the best the offense he's played in. There's yeah. more weapons to there extend, to throw to. Yeah, so extend the window. So yeah, they're really good. All right, I'll give you a Texan stat that's mind blowing. You want to hear this one? Yes. About the Texans and the Ravens. So the Texans, other than the penalties, because they had the penalties killed. Eleven. Oh, killed them. They had eight of them were pre-snap, eight pre-snap penalties. 
Um, but other than that, they actually played kind of a clean game because they didn't have any turnovers, right? No, sa- no sacks. No sacks. Texans set a record for the worst margin of defeat in NFL history for a team that had zero turnovers and zero sacks. They lost yeah. by 24 points. In fact, the Texans are the first NFL team since 1940, regular season or postseason, to lose by more than 10 points in a game where they had they had uh, no offensive touchdowns, no sacks, and no turnovers. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they were clean. They were well coached. I just don't think right? they were as good. I mean, there, just was, not, yeah, there, exactly. was a, there was a talent gap. And the, and you throw 11 penalties, eight pre-snap. Oh. I do think the crowd noise can give uh, – I talked to some folks who were on the sidelines there. It was definitely, definitely loud. Yeah. And I do think that affected the Texans, but at the same time – they're not as good as Baltimore. I don't Period. know if anybody's as good as Baltimore. Uh, we'll find out because here comes Patrick Mahomes in a 13-3 and postseason record oh. in the championship game. Uh, uh, so we have good, bad, and ugly, right? Good is Patrick Mahomes. Bad, how about this? With the Lions win, oh, the no. Cowboys and the Commanders. Now have gone the longest droughts of not making the NFC championship game in the NFC, Russ. 28 seasons for the Cowboys, 32 seasons for the Washington franchise. Wow. And can I take you to the ugly? That's ugly. If you're talking about Houston, you're talking about Houston professional football teams, Rod. Mm. They haven't Houston, whether with the Oilers or the Texans, a Houston team has not played in the AFC Championship game since 1979. Don't remind me. Oh, I it's ugly. <laughs> but I think they, I think we can change that here in the coming years. I that do the future is very bright. That's why I don't even feel bad about Cowboys know, losing tw- the way they did. Who would have ever thought Cowboys 28 seasons? What do you do, Cowboys fans? What do you do? Only oh, the commanders. And you know what the Cowboys and commanders have had in common is a bad owner. Uh, yeah. And Daniel Snyder and Jerry Jones. And bad owner meaning Jerry Jones won't get out of the way and hire a football player. Great businessman. Great businessman. Yeah. but Daniel Snyder wasn't even that. And maybe he's a good owner, just not a good GM, because if he's a good GM, he'd have fired himself by now. <laughs> uh, well, a good owner would have fired good the GM Good owner would have fired a good GM. So you could argue he's a bad owner, I guess so, yeah. 28 seasons now. That's a fact. Detroit Lions fans. Guys, this is Cowboys fans. The reason there is hope is because it doesn't take long. It it don't take long. It doesn't doesn't take long. It's not a long process when you figure out who the right people in charge need to be. And the Lions did that. Ask Houston. Yeah, exactly. Lead out Jack Easterby and uh, Bill O'Brien, and now they got a great young GM and young coach, young quarterback. Doesn't take that long. uh, the the, the, The future is bright. Yeah. All right, we'll talk about it more. Also, we'll get into some of the facts of this incredible event on the PGA Tour, Rod. Um, gosh, just what we saw over the weekend doesn't happen very often. It's a unicorn of, an, of, a, of a situation. We'll get you, get you details. Pretty cool. But obviously a lot of football chatter as well. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.